After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when you hear that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you're probably thinking, yeah, sure, what's the catch? Well, uh, there isn't one. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. The team here at Literally has tried Mint Mobile out, and this is the review. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. It was great. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan, for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Everybody, welcome to literally Nev Campbell. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. She's been in so many like iconic, culty fan favorites Party of Five, Scream, The Craft. And she's lovely and sweet as can be. This is a really, really good one. So hang on. Here we come with Nev Campbell. I'm trying to think if we've ever met properly we met at steven dorf's 40th birthday party oh my <laughs> the minute you get steven dorf mentioned you better be fucking rolling <laughs> that's all i know so we met at steven dorf's 40th and by the way it sounds like a sofia coppola movie in the making uh, yeah it does um and actually i didn't remember this my cousin colleen who you sat you guys had a night lovely chat for a good hour i think um she told me Oh my goodness. See, I mean, like, well, you know, you've been doing it a long time like me and you, you, there's so many things you remember. There are also so many things you forget. I know. It's crazy the amount that you forget. Colleen is actually my memory bank. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's too much. I don't, I think not one human being can remember that many events. Can you imagine the torture if you remembered absolutely everything in your life? Awful. I don't think I want to remember everything. I, <laughs> I, know. I don't remember anything. Um, are you so are you excited excited about the, the this the movie comes out? I don't know when we're gonna air this podcast, but it comes out this week. It does. It's, what was it like going back and and um being with everybody and and just revisiting such a big part of your life? Um great. You know, uh, Courtney and David and I, Courtney Cox and David Arquette and I, um, you know, have known each other now 25 years. And um, we've been making these movies for 25 years, which is nuts. <laughs> nuts. Yeah. Did they meet Did they meet, meet on this? They met, yeah. And their daughter is Coco, right? Coco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was the cutest little girl. God, she was so, she must be how old now? I think she's just about to go to college in New York. Oh my God, kill me now. 18, I think. Yeah, isn't that nuts? Ah! Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. Um, but no, it feels good. It's, I mean, um, 
I was apprehensive about doing this one because we lost Wes, obviously. Mm. Craven, who was the reason these movies are what they are and this franchise is what it is. And he was very much like a father figure to us as well. You know, we were all so young when we started on it and it was the beginning of our careers. And so these movies mean a lot, you know, a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, just what they are. Um, but, you know, the the new guys, Matt and Tyler, they just, they actually became directors because of Wes Craven. And they, direct, oh, wow. they directed their movie, Ready or Not, which is a, actually a great movie. I don't normally watch horror films, to be honest, but it, it's a great movie. And um, they made that because of Scream. So you couldn't find better people to jump in because their enthusiasm was intoxicating and... You know, they just, they were like pinching themselves. I couldn't believe that they were getting to make this movie. In fact, um, Matt, my first scene, he was watching the monitor and he forgot to say cut because he thought he was watching the next Scream movie. Like he forgot. Oh, that's amazing. Real for him, yeah. (laughs) Which was really sweet. Really sweet. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, I mean, you've, you, I mean, the, the first Scream was, such a big deal. They all were a bit, but I remember it just revolutionized, like revitalized. Now horrors, horror is, uh, I mean, it's such a huge genre yeah. now, but it wasn't necessarily then. I mean, no. obviously there are movies that worked a lot, but it, it, it wasn't like it is now. Yeah, it had uh, taken a minute. It, it had taken a break. I think people had been, um, had gotten sick of them. And then Scream came around and it was probably good timing as well. But I think the fact that it, uh, you know, it took a look at the the genre itself and was self-referential and it was fresh and new and had humor as well. And and also, I mean, some of our act, all of the actors um, brought a lot to it, you know, just great energy. I think they did a really good job casting it. And um, funny horror, for lack of a better term, is super hard to pull off. Really hard to pull off, yeah. I mean, that is a target that, I mean... Most people, you know, I'm I'm friendly with. Um, oh my god, I'm, I'm this is going to drop. My, um, okay. Jason, I mean, I'm friendly. I I know Jason Blum Blumhouse. You know, who's the king of horror at the moment and yeah. has been for a long, long time. And he, I was like, let's. Where can we find our American Werewolf in London? To me, that's the ultimate funny. Yeah. Or and he's like, he's. I won't try. I will not even attempt a funny horror. It's too hard to do. Wow. Wow, interesting. Yeah, it's really challenging. Um, Kevin Williamson, I think he wrote the script over a weekend. Wow. He had the idea suddenly and just sat down and penned a page, you know. Or yeah, it just came out like that. Just, yeah, just came out. Um, and it feels, it felt like that when you read it, you know, it just page turner. You couldn't, you couldn't stop reading it. Um, and he did it. It was incredible. And, you know, and Drew Barrymore, Mm-hmm. You know, was like nobody ever. That, that was the the great calling card of the movie. It's like people could not believe. They thought she was going to be the Jamie Lee Curtis of it. You know, well, exactly. If you're going to be brave enough to kill Drew Barrymore in the first 15 minutes, you might have something. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. We actually, um, David and Courtney and I, Courtney and I, just did her show last week. How was that? I've seen parts of it, and it's you know, I've known, I've known Drew. Oh boy. Um, oh my God. I, I think maybe since she was 14. Wow. You yeah. know, um, and she's such a character. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no one like her. That's for sure. And what I've seen of her show is it's exactly what you, what you would want a Drew Barrymore talk show to be. Yeah. <laughs> Which is her telling all her anecdotes. Yeah. I saw a clip. <laughs> uh, there's a clip like on YouTube making the rounds because you guys are right in the middle of the big press tour. Okay. And she was asked, what is it? She was at, it was so Drew Barrymore. What was she talking about? Do you remember? What did you guys talk about? It, I haven't seen the clips. Um, she, I mean, she went, she went there. I mean, she went, got into like drugs and uh, I think she said she, when she was young, she would drink at 10, do Coke at 12 and then something at five. I can't remember what it was. So but she had a doubt of like, really uh, real. <laughs> chronologically. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, she, you know, it was interesting because she did the show, the movie with us, obviously, but we didn't actually work with her. We 
knew her at the time because we were doing read-throughs and there was a, a gathering at Wes's and we would do some interviews after the movie came out and stuff. But unfortunately, I didn't actually get to work with her. So it was really interesting to listen to her experience yeah. on it and what it meant to her and for us to express that as well. But I'm not sure what the clip would have been that you saw. Whatever she just goes off, doesn't she? She just oh, it, it was like <laughs> I'm not sure where this is going, but I'm really loving it. Yeah. What was Re- um, Wes Craven like? I I got to work with Stephen King. Oh, I've wow. actually done two Stephen King things, and wow. and the, and the the first one, The Stand, Stephen wrote himself, adapted his own classic book, and was on set the whole time. And how was, was that? he's the loveliest? Yeah, the like. Most unassuming, my my just brief Stephen King story I'll never forget was we were going to see a basketball game together and we're walking through a parking garage and we were lost. And just one of those monolithic parking garages with 75 levels and everything looks the same. And he's yeah. like, Par- parking garages, now parking garages are scary. <laughs> I was like, well, here comes a book. You yeah. just know it. And was there? I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. Well, there have got to be Stephen King freaks listening yeah. Is there a Stephen King parking garage opus? Because if there was, I was at its inception. <laughs> wow, that's great. You know, Wes was... Um, I, similarly, I guess, uh, you expect these people to be really sick and twisted. And yes, I mean, Wes had a sick and twisted sense of humor and obviously had an angle on on the world that was interesting. But um, a sweetheart, like a yeah. gentle, gentle... When he walked, he was like long and tall and gentle and when he walked it was like a gazelle wow. so graceful and um just really sweet and had a great giggle loved to have a giggle and then he loved to giggle at really violent things too like in the movie he would just yeah. sit the monitor like <laughs> i love that isn't that the best when there's somebody behind the monitor that has a giggle oh yes and when it ruins takes, it's yeah. the best. <laughs> yeah, because you know you've done your job. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Top giggler of all time in my life, without a doubt, no one as close as Amy Poehler. Oh, really? Yeah, she has a cat. Well, she doesn't have a cat. She giggles. She has a cackle. Literally oh. like... <laughs> Brilliant. So you know if you were being funny because you hear oh. Amy cackling away. Great, I love it. Um, Ricky Gervais, another great giggler. Oh my gosh. I had dinner with Ricky once um, in London and met his wife, who's really lovely and yep. has great books. I like her books. Yep. Um, and what a nice guy. Yeah, he was. He's he is amazing. Um, so scream. Yeah. Put you get out of your pajamas. Go sit in the theater. You gotta want it. If you want <laughs> scream, you gotta want it. You can get <laughs> into the world. It's such a fun movie to see it in the theater. It really well, is. That's cool. the other thing. Have you, have you, you must have sat in, in theaters with, with any of the screams where people were like, don't open that door. <laughs> For sure. Of course. Um, but you know, this is the kind of movie, well, I certainly know that people have come up to me and said when the first one came out, they went 20 times, 30 times. Cause oh it's God. just the kind of movie that's so much fun to see with an audience because you're at the edge of your seat and everyone's screaming at the screen at the same time and laughing. And it's just a joy. How old were you when you started? You were youngish. When I started everything or when yeah. I started Scream? No, when you started the whole, when you started in this this wonderful business we call the Dream Factory. Uh, well, um, professional, it, like, so I started out as a ballet dancer. I started dancing when I was six, when I was at the National Ballet School of Canada, when oh, I was no. And um, at 14, I left the National Ballet School. And at 15, um, I did my first audition, just turning 15, did my first audition, which was the Phantom of the Opera. Ooh. And it was the original Canadian cast. And Ooh. Hal Prince was directing it. And it Ooh. was just one of those. I mean, I literally, I didn't even know what Phantom of the Opera was. And some ballet dancer friends of mine were going to the audition and said, you should come. And I, my mom was like, yeah, just go for the audition experience. You know, just go to know what it is to audition. And I went and it was thousands of dancers auditioning from all over. And um, I just kept getting called back and called back and called back. And it was the most surreal few days because the audition process happened over a week. And uh, yeah, I ended up one of the six ballet Dega girls in Phantom of the Opera and understudying Meg when I was 15. Jeez. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
That's it. I love that show so much. I know it's not like hip or cool to say it, but good Lord, do I love that show. <laughs> good show. Oh my God, it's insane. It's Come on. And we had Colm Wilkinson, who is the Phantom. I yeah, mean, the Phantom. The Phantom, the best one. And who's just, I could listen to him sing that show or anything for the rest of my life all day. Just a phenomenal singer. I finally saw it in London. Years and years and years and years later. Later, I mean, it had been running for, and and I knew every note of it, right? I mean, I knew the music and was obsessed with it. I love that Phantom Geek. (laughs) Oh, total fan! I'm a total musical comedy nerd, one billion percent. But I went and saw it, and it had. It's so funny. I was saying, what is it about this show I'm seeing? Because it had the feel of a little bit of a Disney Cruise version, Mm -hmm. in that it had been going for so long. Yeah. That it felt a little like it had been going for so long, (laughs) but it was still undeniable. Yeah. Now, did you ever meet Andrew Lloyd Webber? Yeah, I did. I did. He came to our opening um, because we were the original Canadian cast. and uh, At that huge theater. What theater was it in? Theater. Yeah. Uh, Garth Drabinsky. This was in Toronto. Yes. And uh, Garth Drabinsky. Legend. Legend. Yeah. he, this is when he'd sort of been kicked out of the film world and decided we'll find that. this. He had some like golden handshake from Cineplex Odeon and, um, right. and said, okay, fine. And within a year was brought musical theater to Canada. I mean, other, other than Ed Mervish, who was doing Les Mis, um, Garth just, he was like, okay, I'm going to take this, the, what was the old Pantages and, and refurbish it. And re- it would, had been turned into, I think, cinemas. And he turned it back into this beautiful old theater. Um, built, yeah, rebuilt the theater, opened the show. And then he went from show to show to show and won all kinds of awards. And just, you know, one of those I, real. I saw his version of um, Riverboat? Yeah. In Canada? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what was interesting with Garth? He, he would come in to the theater or come into the rehearsal halls from the very beginning, almost every day. And he would sit in the seats, the back of the rehearsal hall and just cry. And I used to wonder, what is it? But you know what is Garth was one of the last people to have uncured polio. Um, Yeah. Walked with like a really heavy leg and the phantom. That's what it's about. It's about someone who is disfigured who, uh, yeah. You know, yearns for love and tries to overcome and becomes a bit of a, a tyrant. And uh, it was really interesting. Wow, that is really interesting. Yeah. What What is your um, favorite Phantom song? So many great ones on that. Oh gosh, um, music of my life. I mean, music of the night. Music of be, the night. Yeah, has to be music <laughs> of the night, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what was so weird? I did two years of that. Um, at my 16th birthday in the green room backstage, I did Amazing. 800 shows. Oh, Home. wait, 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 wait. You did 800 yeah. shows. 800 shows in two years. So you think about people who do it 10 years or 12, and there are those people. Wow. And I remember Gosh. Calm saying to me, Wilkinson, because I had, during Phantom and Agent, I'm all like, Wait, so 800 yeah. shows. Yeah. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot. Oh, it's, it's, it's a lot of point shoes. <laughs> you know what it is? Once you get above 100, uh, anything beyond 100 yeah. is a lot of shows yeah. in the theater. Yeah. It's a lot. Is it true mm-hmm. that you, one of your first paying jobs was a Coca-Cola commercial? And I have a reason for asking this. Yes. My first job was a Coca-Cola commercial. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. We're, like, we're, we're in a good club. <laughs> what, was, what was your Coke commercial like? My Coke commercial was actually a waking. It was a tour for Brian Adams called Waking Up the Nation. Oh my God. So it was Brian Adams and his band and me <sighs> with like crimped hair. Yeah, for in sure. In a white t shirt. Doing your, you were doing your, your version of, of Courtney Cox with Bruce Springsteen. Yes, exactly. I didn't know that at the time, but yes. <laughs> um, that probably literally is. Well, I'll bet you if you went back and asked Brian, he's like, yeah, and I wanted to do my version of Courtney and Bruce. Exactly right. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yours so yeah, that was cool. my commercial. What was your Coke commercial? Mine was the first commercial ever made exclusively for the Super Bowl. Oh, cool. It was in 1977. Mm-hmm. And it was 
they spent a million dollars on the set and it was a four-story New York tenement set in a soundstage. I don't think I'd ever been on a soundstage in Hollywood before. Mm -hmm. And it was a single shot commercial. And the camera panned up from the street where me, where I was a little boy playing on the stoop and I looked up and that motivated the camera. (laughs) And the camera went up, the crane craned up and looked in all the windows. And Mm -hmm. in each window was a tableau of people living their lives and drinking Coke till it got to the roof and there was a guy singing the new Coke theme. Wow. With his guitar in the roof. It was way ahead of its time and yeah. super, super arty. And yeah. I, I, I think it only ran like once or twice. Wow, really? But, but I, got, I got my, that was my Taft-Hartley, as they say. That's when you get uh, in the union for oh my the first gosh. time. Wow. That's yeah. Yeah, that and Tampax and McDonald's. I was a McDonald's girl, like in the McDonald's uniform. We've brought McDonald's value home. It's in your mailbox. I still remember my lines. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I, mine was Carl's Jr., uh-huh. which is a chain on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. It was, And that was me and Regis Philbin. <laughs> what? And, yeah. And, uh, and, um, and I remember my line from mine was, we've got taste. Or, I've got taste. Isn't it funny that we remember them? Can't remember. A, you probably can't remember a fucking line from Scream. No, you can remember the McDonald's commercial. Oh yeah, of course, because I had to get it right. <laughs> yes. Oh, and by the way, are there are there any folks more uptight and wanting to get it right and more sticklers than the people in commercials? No, they're God. on it, man. I mean, yeah. they make Aaron Sorkin look like a slacker. <laughs> so true. Oh my God, they're like, um, so that was great. Could you just maybe maybe a little more energy when you're talking about the food? Okay. On this word, not on yeah. this line. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's funny. Well, you know, no two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas, vast landscape of cultures regions, destinations, and activity allow for such an infinite number of different travel experiences. I mean, I love Texas. I go like this, the people of Dallas, the culture of Austin, and I love any time I get there. If you're a beach person, well, you can go have fun in the sun with Texas 350 miles of coastline. If you're a rugged vacation type, there's campgrounds, hiking trails, state parks, golf is nuts there, foodies, You got your Texas barbecue and live music in Austin. And of course, if you're into the cowboy scene, you can certainly find it there. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom trip matched to their own unique interests. So visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters, yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Hey, everybody, join Macy's and Girls, Inc. to empower a new generation of leaders now during Women's History Month. Throughout March, you can help fund STEM and college and career readiness programs for girls when you donate online to Girls, Inc. or round up your purchase. Plus, shop women-owned and founded brands like Kaylee Cosmetics, New Face, and Better Not Younger. Learn more and celebrate the creative power of women now and all year round at macy's.com slash purpose. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful, but we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Now, this is also funny. I get, I get I've got great folks who help me research people. And um, one of the things that shows up in your research is she knew nothing about pop culture. <laughs> I love, you, you should know. I'll show you right here. Here's Nev Campbell. There you are. That's okay. your life. Yeah. Rede- uh, shrunken down into bullet points. And awesome. then the one, two, three, four, five, six, the seventh bullet point about you. 
<laughs> is that you know nothing about pop culture. Yeah. Now, when you say you know nothing about pop culture, how bad is it? What, go, what stage? How, yeah. How, how, how ignorant so, are you pop culture? Unbelievably. Um, unbelievable. Oh, someone told me the other day that The weekend. Uh, has me in his song, that, a song of his that just dropped, has my name. And I said, which weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I love, by the way, I love you for that. That's amazing. <laughs> but here's, here's what I like about you already. The way, because I have another friend who knows, I'm going to drop the name, fuck it. Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow. She knows uh-huh. nothing about pop, pop culture. Nothing, literally nothing. Yeah. And, and, and But she has a way of when she doesn't know it, there's, and I, and I love her to pieces. And she's, mm-hmm. you know, she, I, she's the godmother to my son. Um, so I can, I can get away with saying this. But she has a way, it's also a signal, signal, a not so subtle signal, that she really doesn't give a fuck about that particular person, which makes me laugh. <laughs> it's, it's very sort of bitchy and funny. <laughs> Yours is totally like blithe and innocent and oh, and like, you know, you're like, I just don't know what weekend. <laughs> Literally don't know. I want to be that. How can I get... <laughs> I look, I, I don't... I'm not a pop culture person. Yeah. In that way, but I do this show and, and I like... I like but, but I... You have to know I, I'm not comfortable telling people I don't know something and that's, that's on uh-huh. me. That's a flaw. It's a character flaw for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that because there's so much I don't know. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be able to get away with it, honestly. You know, I growing up in the ballet world, it was so insular. Yeah. Um, I mean, you literally, all you pay, especially at the National Ballet School, all you paid attention to was the dancers in which company and what company you, you hope to move to, which contemporary company or ballet company, or it just... And and I knew as a even as a young child the companies around the world, but I couldn't tell you anything else because we weren't taught it, um, right. we weren't around it. It wasn't part of the discussion. Um, my also my parents never really into pop culture, so uh, whatever that word means, even. But I can tell you things like uh, Francis Ford Coppola had I think a script that he's been trying to make for maybe thirty years called. Megalopolis. Megalopolis. I was going to say, is this Megalopolis? Megalopolis. And I was called to do a reading with John Voight and Sean Penn and a whole slew of wonderful people in um, San Francisco, in Francis's building. And they served a lunch downstairs and we went down in the studio and we recorded this. And uh, when my agents called me to tell me about it, I didn't know who Francis was. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, I, I have so many questions here. I have, I have so many questions. How long ago was this? Like what time frame? I think I must have been 22 or 23, something like that. Wow. So he's made oh, Godfather 1, oh, Godfather 2, oh, Apocalypse Now. Oh, yeah. The Outsiders. Hello. Yep. Um, yep. Didn't know Francis. No. Isn't that awful? Um, yeah. But you know what? I, my dad really likes musical theater also. And I saw, I luckily as a child went to the theater a lot, went to the ballet a lot, went to see a lot of theater. My dad was an amateur theater director and high school drama teacher for 35 years. Oh, wow. So I saw, and my mom owned a dinner theater. So I was always... A dinner theater. How great is that? A dinner theater that my brother used to act in. and So I was around the theater a lot in Canada. But... um. First of all, wait, I got to ask you about Megalopolis because he's yeah. still trying to make it, you know. Gosh, I heard that, yeah. It's so shocking to me that Francis Ford Coppola isn't getting loads of money to make films. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> I, I, you're kidding me? I'd be like, I, who wouldn't want to see Francis's dream project? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember anything about the reading or the script or the experience? No, it was so heartbreaking is I was sick. I had the worst cold, like flu cold. And didn't get the script until I landed and oh got to my hotel room at nine o'clock at night. And the reading was the next day. And the script was 300, I think, pages. Oh, my God. So I could barely breathe or think, let alone read a very complicated script. Um, very kind of surrealist script. <laughs> uh, 
So I didn't know what I was, honestly didn't know what I was doing. I have no, I like, it was a cool experience, the read through because he had sound people doing sound effects and they recorded the whole thing. And I know that he's done lots of different recordings of this script over the years. He's done it on stage. He's done performances. He's done all, from what I understand, a lot of different versions of readings of it. Um, Gosh, do I wish I'd been older and known what I was reading and not been sick that day. <laughs> right? I mean, we, when you look back, so you, but you knew the movie, you would you have known those movies though? With The Godfather and all that? Yeah. Um, I think when they told me, I then saw, watched The Godfather the next day before I flew that weekend. Right. They actually, for my birthday, sent me a box of uh, VHS of oh like 50 top most pop culture movies, which actually was a great way to receive all those films. I hadn't seen them. I hadn't grown up with them. You know, um, great opportunity in my twenties to see all of that. But um, it's yeah. great. And I, I recently, when I'm bored on a set, which is a lot of the time, mm-hmm. um, I've taken to making my, my list of classic movies. And it's really, it's so fun to do. Uh, yeah, and then and then you try to put them in order, mm. which gets really, really, really hard. Great, and um, but it's funny. No matter how I shuffle the deck, Godfather one and two are. It, it goes Godfather's, the Godfather's, and Goodfellas, and I hate the fact I hate that my top three movies are all Italian mafia movies because <laughs> it makes me sound like I have a fetish about it. <laughs> but those are the three best movies ever made. I'm sorry, they yeah. are. Yeah. See, my dad uh, raised me, um, taking me to review cinemas. Like, I saw a lot of foreign films, like Leolo or Babette's Feast, or like just so many foreign films as a young child um, that that became my my taste, really. Um, Cinema Paradiso was like my favorite movie. It's a great one. so I think that's why also I just was not exposed to the normal. Yeah. Um, it, I, it, apparently you also, um, when you hosted SNL, had Bowie as your guest. Gosh, and I didn't know who Bowie was. Come on. This is Michael had to educate me. I know it's so awful. Like so wasted on me, right? Like I know. I know. Uh, but my friend Michael did like expose me to a bunch of Bowie's music. Um, the week that I was about to go. Did you meet Bowie? Of course, yeah. I met, he was like a, like an alien. Yeah. I mean, he and, is it Iman? Iman, yes. They're like two, they alien don't, people. They look, they're from another planet. They're from another, they, they're, they were from another planet. And he's, Incredible. was one of the nicest. So nice. Um, and then I did meet him like two more times after that. For some reason, I ended up introducing him at two different concerts also. For, I don't know. But, um, what a nice person. What an amazing, magical man. Bowie. I yeah. mean, I mean, just, you know, that great thing where you're the SNL host. You're like, ladies and gentlemen, David Bowie. Yeah. You're like, um, yeah, that works. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, David. Have you seen the famous, um, I, I, I always forget, I sound so old. The difference between a, a meme and a GIF, which is the one that has sound? I don't know. I don't Come know. On, people, somebody can help me with this. A meme is the one that has sound. Okay. The famous meme of um, Daniel Craig on SNL going, ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And, and, and every, every Friday, it's all over social media. People just go, like, introducing the weekend. You have to, it's the best, but That's it's great. perfect for you because it's well, now introducing. I know the weekend is. Now you know who the, the weekend. The weekend. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> My my son was um is a is a just got his law degree and and he was uh, interning at a entertainment law firm and um he used to have to get future on the phone okay <laughs> which made me laugh it's not the future it's future it's future so what would he have to what uh, what future future was obviously up to some hijinks and had you know this lawyer was helping him out but it would be like. Um, I have future on the phone for you, Mr. Stein. <laughs> future. It's kind of awesome. Isn't it? It's kind of yeah. awesome. It's great. I love people who have the balls to name themselves things like that. Zendaya. Yeah. 
right? You know, she's going for it. Yeah. What would I, what you, you and I could have, you, Nev, I would have just been Nev if I were you. That's such a great name. <laughs> so then everybody's like, Neve, Neve. Oh, no, no, no. They were, they still were doing it. I'm like, wait a minute. I, it's never occurred to me ever to call you Neve. I never thought it was Neve. Even when I w- first heard of you, mm-hmm. what is with people who think it's Neve? Well, it actually makes sense in the spelling. There's an E at the end. Guess. I guess, but no, Nev. Uh, well, and also Neve is a more common name from Ireland. Oh. Um, Nev is not a name until my parents came up with it. And it's honestly, it's my mother's maiden name. She's Dutch and they decided to pronounce it Nev in Canada. Um, I would have just stuck with that. I mean, not no. that you needed any help. Your career is great. But if you were <laughs> Nev, just yeah. plain, just Nev. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That now? Can you imagine? I, I think you need no, to do Campbell that. Getting rid of Campbell. <laughs> Get rid of Campbell. Listen. I would be canceled so fast. <laughs> if John, if John Mellencamp can get rid of John Cougar Mellencamp, mm-hmm. you can get rid of Campbell. <laughs> I think. Okay. But you, yeah. then you also have to start a band. Do you sing? Oh, yeah. No. I mean, How I do said, not sing with all your musical theater, theater, schmeter, meter. You know what? I don't consider myself a singer. I'm a, I'm a dancer, singer, dancer, actor, singer. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I do. I know exactly. Um, I know because song and I can carry a tune. I can learn a song and I can sing a song. You were in, so you're in fifth, Studio Fifty Four called just Fifty Four. Yes, yes. Do you, so, but you were you're too young to have ever gone to the real Studio Fifty Four. Yeah, yeah. And also, I wouldn't have known that Studio Four existed because <laughs> I knew nothing about. Paul. You would have gone. You would like. You would have gone to Studio Forty Seven. No, no, it's 54, okay? Yeah. I would have thought I was going to a ballet studio. I'd have gone up to like 54th Street and looked for the ballet studio. <laughs> you would have come in tights. Well, that would have been probably about what people were, That's true. were doing in, uh, in Studio 54. So yes, I was in Studio 54. Mike Myers, man, what a talent. Yeah. A talent. Okay. I mean, talk about a, Toron- a, a Toronto legend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was made, um, whatever that is, that we are knighted in really? Toronto. It, he's got the Canadian Legion of Honor. Oh my goodness. And it's very fancy. Very fancy. It's as close to royalty as I know. They haven't even called me about my handprints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in the, at the Garth Drabinsky multiplex right there on <laughs> Young Street or whatever. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, how have you not been the grand marshalette of TIFF, as they call it? <laughs> Canadians never found anything that they didn't want to make cute. And, and Canadian, it's like there's always like, it can't just be the Toronto Film Festival, which by the way, sounds adult yes. and uh, of substance yes. and worthy. No, no, no. Now it's TIFF. <laughs> but do you think they decided that? 100% they did. They're, they're also the same folks that, that decided that... Um, Base camp in a movie should be called The Circus. Really? Oh, he's broke down at The Circus, eh? Is that a Canadian thing? Oh. I There's a whole know. list of things in the movie business that you can trace directly to Canadian <laughs> movies. Like when you, when, you, um, when you forget your lines on a, on a set. Yeah. There's a person sitting by the monitor who you would ask, and who would that person be? Who would you ask to see? You would ask to see the... Continuity. Oh, even better. Good. Good for you. Script supervisor? That's what I was going to say, but in Canada, it's not. What do they say? Scripty. Scripty. Yes. Yes. You're right. You know, I worked where she was, uh, she was scripty on the big red balloon. We did eight (laughs) episodes together. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me. This is my side obsession Uh that we've now gone into the rabbit hole. Tim Hortons is true. It's true. Oh, Timmy's. Timmy's. Oh, yeah. We, we stopped at Timmy's and got a cruller, me and Scripty. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, we took them all to the circus. That's right. And, oh, um, and uh, you know who joined us? The DOP. <laughs> the DOP joined us. The DOP. The DOP. Not the director of photography. The DOP. The, literally the director of <laughs> photography. Yes, we like to get things correct. Oh, don't we you though? We definitely follow our rules in Canada. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's, I would say they're, you know, the Canadians never met a rule they didn't want to follow. Now wait, now your parents are from, did you say Denmark? 
No, my mom is from Amsterdam and my father is from Glasgow, Scotland. Okay, because I okay, because I have a friend who's Czech, Czech Republic, and they will not follow a rule. Oh. The no. Czechs, I think it's the Eastern communist, like they had to find a way to rebel for so many years. Like my friend who's a Czech is like the antithesis. And it can't they would put her away in jail in Canada in a week. Yeah. Like she's the kind of person that like won't stop at a stop sign. If there's a line, she's going to cut in it. It's like in <laughs> in her culture, literally. Rules are made to break. Yes, rules are made to be broken. Wow. And Canada's rules are made to be followed. No, and it's crazy because when you're... Which you're, is more crazy making? Okay, what? Of those two. I, uh, well, what I found challenging coming from Canada originally was getting out of that mode coming anywhere else. Like... Mm. Like, it was so funny to me. But now I'm at that place where I was shooting something. I went back to Canada to shoot something a couple of years ago. And I, it was, I was in a tiny town. It was 10 o'clock at night. There was nobody but one couple across the street. There were no cars. And I crossed on a red light and they looked so aghast. Yes. <laughs> the fact that I was crossing the street. I was like, people, really? Yeah, that I'm telling people. Well, all of my Canadian friends will be going. Yeah, that's the way we. That's the way we roll. And oh, there are other people that are going to think that you're making that up. I know you're not. I'm not making that up at all. Your son's nine. I have two sons. Oh, I, have a I didn't. Nine, know. I have a nine-year-old and a boy who's almost four. And are they going to see Scream? No, not for a long time. I am. Um, my boys are older. They're adults now, but I. It's funny because every every parent has to figure out how they're going to navigate what their kids see and don't see and watch and don't watch. And mm-hmm. my philosophy was always, I, I I probably let my kids watch stuff that they probably shouldn't have watched in terms of content and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. they were things that were fucking awesome. And my thing was, I'd rather have my kids watching that than shit. Yeah. Like what they could not watch in my house was something that was bad. Yeah. Like there was no bad Disney think, comedy yeah. crap, Nicola. It was not happening in yeah. my house. Yeah. Nice. You got to teach true. him taste. You do. Although I got to say, Rainer loves Disney movies. He just loves Disney movies. He has to do them. Good Disney movies are great. You know the ones I'm talking about, like with, like with the sitcoms that they do. Yeah. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Absolutely. But good Which Disney I- movies are, are fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Um, you've worked with so many interesting people. It's like Sissy Spacek and Jeremy Irons. Yeah. In yeah. Last Call. Yeah, that was an amazing experience. That was this wonderful writer director, Henry Bramell, who was a dear, dear. Oh, yes, of course. Sadly passed away, but um, was yeah. one of my best friends and um, just an incredible, just an incredible writer. One of those people who just loves human beings and will just sit and will ask you questions after question. You knew he was a writer because he was just so, so curious about mm-hmm. everybody and everything and everything that made, made people tick. And it was just, he was a delight, just a delight. And he wrote this wonderful script called Last Call, which was um, F. Scott Fitzgerald in the last year of his life when he was writing The Last Tycoon and mm-hmm. um, about that time. And um I played this wonderful woman named Frances Kroll Ring, who was his assistant for the last year of his life. And I actually got to know her on set. She was still with us at the time. So it was so phenomenal to, you know, sit with this woman who'd spent all this time um, with Frances. And um, yeah, and then Sissy, who just, isn't she she just an incredible human being? She's amazing. And, And Jeremy Irons is in one of my favorite Canadian Mm-hmm. Directed movies of all time, Dead Ringers. You ever seen oh, that movie? Yeah, yeah, where he plays the twins. Is that Ooh, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, really good. Yeah. And Jeremy's a wonderful man. Never met him. Great guy. Great guy. I got to get him on the show because I'm a yeah. huge. Oh, he would love that. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. 
If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Dunkin' Cold Coffee can be brewed at home in your Keurig coffee maker with Dunkin' Cold K-Cup Pods. Just brew it hot over ice and enjoy flavor that's crafted to serve cold. The home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. We're going to talk Party of Five, of course. Mm-hmm. Party of Five. Um, now, how has there not been a reboot of that? How is that not? They actually did a new one. They did a new one. not of a, without, It wasn't a reunion. It was... Um, I thought it was a really interesting concept, and I wish it had continued uh, the idea. Because, you know, Party of Five was about five kids who lost their parents in a car accident. Right. And this time around, it's five Mexican kids whose parents have been sent back across the border. Oh, wow. That's a good, an interesting new take yeah, on that. It's a great, important thing to talk about. And I thought they did a really great job with it. But it's so hard now. I mean, there's just so much content out there. Yeah. I think it's hard for things to carry on. You know what I mean? Like when we did Party of Five, we did not have a huge audience in the first year, but we had all these fans writing into TV Guide. The TV Guide saved us, actually. All these fans writing in saying, please save the show. You can't let it go. And that saved us. Um, And they gave us the opportunity to stay on. But back then, if you were on a TV show, the likelihood is that people watched. Someone had seen at least an episode because there weren't that many shows. Right. Now, I mean, I don't even know where to turn when I turn on the TV. I, I'm literally, there's so much content. I don't know where to start. I end up turning it off. <laughs> uh, you know what? You and I are separated at birth because <laughs> I just know it's going to be too hard to, like, just even like the, the Beatles documentary, which I'm obsessed with. And yeah. and it was everywhere in the zeitgeist. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was texting about it. Yeah. It was so hard to find. And I knew where it was on. Right. And you and go you- to the main screen and like, how is that not on the main screen uh-huh, uh-huh. at wherever the hell it was, Apple Plus or Disney Plus, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. How Especially could it, if it's following your algorithm, you would think it would pop up for you and it didn't. You would think. Right. Um, to the, um, I did a series, um, one of my first things in, the, in 1979. Mm-hmm. There were three networks and, and there were only... 62 shows in existence. Wow. Right. So there you go. 62. You yeah. know why I know it was 62? Because we were number 62 all the time. We were literally the last <laughs> place show on television. Uh-huh. On all of TV. But they kept you. They you kept you. Well, for 13 episodes, they did. But um, now I can't even imagine. There's so much, which is great for young actors or all actors. It's great and it's not great. It's great in the sense that there's a lot more jobs. So your likelihood of getting something and being employed is probably higher. But they, that's why I think they have to do all this social media now. Because to get people to actually know your name and know who you are, unless it's the sort of unique group that's watching your show because they're into that show, not everyone's going to know you. Well, I, I think about that a lot as like what... Because my, my youngest son is a writer, um, actor. Mm-hmm. And like what it means to make a name for yourself today yeah. and how you do it is it, it, it could not be more foreign or different than it was for, for me. Or, and, and, and certainly it's different than it even was five, 10 years ago. Yeah. That you have to share your entire self um, to build an audience. I don't know. You're losing kind of the magic, aren't you? Part of me feels like you've shared too much. I mean, nowadays, what people expect and want, but you share too much. How are you going to convince people you're a character? <laughs> it, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating conversation. And honestly, I don't know where I fall on it because yeah. it's like, I don't want, I, I didn't, I don't, we didn't see Paul Newman coming out of a Starbucks. No. Nope. Do you know what I mean? We do. 
which is why people say, why do people not watch the Oscars? Well, it's A, because they most America never even knows about the movies they nominated. But other than that, it's like you had to watch the Oscars if you wanted to see those stars in person. Yes. It was the only way right. you could see it. The only way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or if they were maybe on a talk show and most of the stars didn't do them. I mean, right. Jack Nicholson's never done a talk show. Wow. Never. Warren Beatty, never done a talk show. And and there was there was also, you know, a sort of sense that if you did that, you were a, sort of a sellout. Like you were working it too hard. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? Today would not fly. So crazy. Now they want you to do mm-hmm. a TikTok at your house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, and it's in most actors' contracts now. Most people don't realize. I know. I know yeah. I'm so bad with social media. I literally, I inst- I'm, I'm on Instagram because Dwayne Johnson told me to do it. Well, there you go. Because I was doing a film with him and he was like, have you got to get on this? And I thought, oh, maybe I do. And in the studios do ask you now, they want you to promote their films with your, and so I'm only ever on when I'm, when I've got a film coming out because I'm being asked to do it. <laughs> very, very rarely do I ever post it. Every time I do post, I have to get either my cousin to do it or someone to do it for me because I've forgotten how to do it. I do it so little. I, um, I found that I, I actually kind of like it. And... Oh, good. I, I, and it's... Yeah, I kind of I kind of like it. I mean, I, I just got on TikTok. Can I ask why? Like, what is it about it that feels good? Well, on Twitter, which I've, I've pulled way back from, um, cause, cause stuff, people have gotten so crazy with everybody takes offense at everything. Yeah. But Twitter, I loved in the, in the glory days because it was a way to comment on anything and everything you wanted to comment on. If you had a funny joke about something or you, or you thought that you had an insight, mm-hmm. you know, was, and also if you ever wanted to have a sort of free shot on goal, like go right directly to your audience yeah. without having to do a proper interview, it was great. Mm. And uh, Instagram um, is, is fun. I still do that. And, and TikTok is, is, is pretty... I don't do it a lot, but when I'm inspired to do something, I do it. And it's just... It's sort of fun. And like, you know, I, 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 people who I I've never would have thought who... I like, I figure if Anthony Hopkins can be an Instagram star, TikTok star, then it's okay by me. Is he? Huge. No way. Yes. What? Huge. Anthony Hopkins, 100%. That's something I want to see. That's so interesting. I just, for me, I never, I I just, it's not me to stop in a moment to think, to take a picture of it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Certainly with my kid, I don't share photos of my kids um, just because I feel like that should be their choice later. Totally. Also, our second is adopted and I just feel like, I think about his birth mother Oh yeah. How that would feel to just have your uh the child that you bore popping up in pictures everywhere. I think that would be challenging. You're um, not wrong. Right? I think Listen, the people the people who say I don't do it are not wrong. I mean, the <laughs> la- the the and there's an argument for why there aren't any real stars anymore mm. is that there's no mystery. I, I, and that yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like I don't I don't know how you can if you if you reveal everything and you're trying to convince people that you're someone else as a character, it's I don't know, isn't that more challenging? Um, but I don't know. It's it's such an interesting thing because so many people are all over the map on it, and I'm I don't know. I, it I just know that for me, I don't stop to take photos. It makes me uncomfortable. I'm I'm gun shy about it as well. I just know that people people will jump pounce if you do anything wrong and it just terrifies me uh, listen you're not wrong I, I i i totally totally get it um but it's they don't judge anybody for doing it in any way it's just a personal well and like you look at somebody like the rock i i've never met the rock oh I mean, I, that's not true I'm, i met him briefly and yeah. i grabbed his arms and they were unbelievable <laughs> i mean his arm his bicep i had to kiss it's him not- at the scene and his head is like it's very strange. And his arm, like his arm is way bigger than my thigh. Like his forearm. It's just surreal. He's literally the rock. That's he's a rock, an actual rock. I like to call that though. DJ. 
Oh, that's so interesting. He's a really nice guy, but he's the biggest, I think he's the biggest social media person in the world. He's, not, the, he's the new iteration of, of a movie star. He is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what I love about him is, is his work ethic. No one works harder. Nobody. But you're right. And then he walks on set and you're like, hey, DJ. <laughs> and everyone, lo- everyone loves him. And for good reason. But it's like, you know, I, you know, I was a, a, a child actor in an era before there was a lot of it, really. And yeah. you were on time. Yeah. No matter what, you learned your lines and you didn't get your hair messy. Right. I know. Well, and I'm a dancer. So I'm like, it's all about dis- dis- discipline on time. And I'm Canadian as well. So <laughs> like, forget it, forget about it. <laughs> you know, I don't think I've ever been late a day in my life. Um, but that's just my work ethic. Cause I, get, I get super agita, like anxious when I'm, when late. I'm late. I, I don't mind being... Worst. A little bit, like mm-hmm. five minutes. Five minutes. Just so, just so I, I'm not waiting on anyone else either. Mm. Oh, I don't be, do that at all. I might happen to be. I don't know. But, but beyond that, um, what do they call punctuality? It's the kindness. It's the kindness of kings. Have you oh, heard that one? I've not heard that, but I like it. It's how old were you when you started? Eight. Oh my gosh! That's In right. dinner theater. Wow! Really? L- regional dinner theater in Ohio. Wow, you I mean, might you be have, I, a human being I've ever met who's like been involved in dinner theater somehow. I, <laughs> I will say you haven't really acted until you're delivering a monologue while busboys are clearing the plates. Yeah. <laughs> right? Who, who's like dinner theater? Like, the, yeah. here's my thing is like, are you saying... It's not good dinners, <laughs> The dinner's not good enough to warrant coming mm-hmm. for the dinner. And the theater's not good <laughs> enough to warrant coming from the theater. But if you get both of them, then yeah. it's worth going to this Might place. Have a nice evening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, were you aware of the Burt Reynolds Dinner Theater? No. Of course you weren't. Who am I? I forgot who I was talking to. Of course, you don't know who fucking David Bowie is. See, now you know me. Now, yeah, you now I know you. <laughs> um, Burt Reynolds, God mm-hmm. rest him, had... A dinner, the Burt Reynolds Dinner Theater. Just that phrase. I want to say it again. The Burt Reynolds <laughs> Dinner Theater. It's the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever heard of. In Jupiter, Florida. And people would go. My friend Martin Sheen did um, Mr. Roberts. Oh my the God. Burt Reynolds Dinner Theater. Oh my gosh. It, it's a little like waiting for Guffman. It sounds a little bit like a Christopher Guest. It does. I met Burt Reynolds. I went to one of these autograph signing things uh, a few years ago. And I was summoned to his table. And I thought, oh, that's the coolest. Yes. That's the coolest. And I went up and he had like orange, he had like some heavy tan skin on, mm-hmm. big glasses, and this fabulous suit. Little man. He was a little yeah. man at the point. I have no idea why I was summoned. Oh my God. And I went and shook his hand and did a photo with him. And it was really sweet. And it was really nice to meet him. Tell me about these. See, I, it's funny. I was going to ask you about these. And I, then I got sidetracked about Scream, between Scream and Party of Five, that's a huge fan base, culty, like you could crush it. You you could crush the uh, personal appearance autograph circuit. Yeah. And the craft as well. Does well. Of course. Yeah. That's got a big following. So what is, at one of those autograph shows, what is the vibe? Like who's there? What's it like? So my first time going to this, I was really nervous. And I thought, like, you're like, are they going to be creepy? Or they, who are these people? And you just realize it's like the nerdiest film geeks in the world who are all like-minded and can't wait to see each other, are excited to see each other and have a weekend together and so excited to meet you. It's just the sweetest, kindest, most wonderful, honestly, it's a really wonderful experience because especially when you're not in theater and you're doing film and stuff, you're not meeting your audience and you're not getting a sense of really how people feel about it. I mean, I get people coming up with tattoos of Sidney Prescott on their calves and ask me to like autograph their arms. I'm like, I have the worst autograph in the world. I'm like, are you sure? (laughs) I swear you're going to regret this. (laughs) But, But so you get very surreal moments like that. I've even had parents bring their kid up and their kid's got like a fake axe sticking out of their head. Oh my God. And they're like, it's your screams. They're his favorite movie, like five-year-old, six-year-old. <laughs> but 
like these people love these movies, just love them. And as I said, are just so happy to be around like-minded people. And uh, yeah, I love, I love it. I have a hard time with those things because I really like people Mm. and it's super hard to get through a big lot because I want to, where are you from? What are you doing? And they, everybody wants to say something and you want to say something to them. And, you know, you can't, you literally cannot spend three minutes with every single person. You can't do it. You can't get through the line. Even honestly, like 40 seconds, like I, I, I do give people time and I don't get through the line, but, um, I really think these people have come to spend some money and, you know, they've maybe flown from somewhere and it means a lot. And so yes. I guess I don't really understand it when some people don't talk. They literally just sign and they, you know, I don't not- get it. I, I'm incapable of doing it. Can't do it. No. You know what? Cause you're Canadian mm-hmm. and you follow rules and that's, you know, that's, and I'm a Midwestern people pleaser. Yeah. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> people pleaser for sure. Um, but it's also just a nice thing to do, right? I mean, why yes. do I, I don't understand it otherwise. What's the point? Yeah, it's so fun. Well, this is fun. I love this. is I, This is such a fun. I hope you had fun. Just a good little we chat. Did. Right? Are you in the middle of a big press thing at the moment? Is that yeah. what's happening? Yeah. I just came from Kelly Clarkson. Um, oh, well, she's great, right? Gosh, what a sweetheart. Great, so, right? She's the best. Oh my, and she learns a song and sings a song every day. It's insane. How talented can you be? I it's love great. her show. Yeah. And I love yeah. her. She's wonderful. Such a sweetheart. Yeah. So that was nice. Yeah. So just did a whole lot of press. And it's what's nice is it's getting really well reviewed, you yeah. know, it's getting well received and, and uh, people are enjoying it. So that's, that's, what, that's the goal. It's going to be big. It's going to well, be a blockbuster. I mean, who knows? Who knows? You never, you know, you never know. You never know. Especially with Omicron. Yeah. I mean, who knows whether people are going to want to go to the theater. Um, I bet you they go. That's my bet. <laughs> We'll see. This is Either a, way, I had fun making it and hopefully people will enjoy the film. For sure. Good luck. Break a leg. Have a good one. Thank you. Take care. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I'm going to go uh, take Scrifty to Crafty. Um, there's Hot Pockets there, eh? How great is she, right? She gives me the warm and fuzzies and I'm psyched to see Scream. So go see Scream. Support our girl Nev. And I see the light is flashing on the answering machine here in the studio that is the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hi, Rob. It's Mara and Kiera. We're roommates from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I recently just finished uh, Lone Star 911. And Kira, she loves. I love the low files. And the outsiders. And the outsiders. Kira yeah. loves the outsiders. And we're, now we're watching the low files. So we, one, are requesting more seasons of the low files. We'd like it brought back. I can contact Annie on our, all of our behalf if need be. I think the question really is, What's next for Rob Lowe? Are there more seasons of the Low Files? More firefighter stuff? Outsider reboot? What do we say again? Thank you for your time, Rob. We love you. We a love lot. you, Rob. So much. Oh, you guys. You guys are too, too damn cute. Thank you. I, and I love that you love the Low Files. The Low Files is one of my favorite things um, that I've done in terms of the experience. To, to ride around with my boys in that tricked-out raptor chasing paranormal activity. I mean, my God. It's basically two of my favorite shows combined, Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown, and Scooby-Doo. I mean, what could be better? Um, And yes, you should call A&E. 100% you should. Um, I talk to them all the time about bringing back the low files, and I'm wearing them down. The issue was they never put us where we should be. We should have been next to Ancient Aliens, which is a massive hit for them. And they put us there once and we crushed it. But that's where. So I think the show's great. I loved it. We were going to. I mean, we had all these plans for the, the, the next season. We were going to go to Hawaii and do the 
the um the Manahunis and the Night Marchers, which are really freaky spirits of Hawaii. Um, loved it. So it's something I would love to do again. Um, and nine one one Lone Star is is you know this year even bigger than it was last year. So um, that's going to be going to be around for a while. But um, none of it happens without you guys watching it. So fully appreciated. But yes, start the campaign. Um, for the, with the folks at any for more low files. Thank you. Thanks for, for checking in. I'll see you next week, uh, here. Don't forget to give us a five-star review if you're so inclined and don't forget to uh, download the rest of the series of literally with me, Rob Lowe. You've been listening to literally with Rob Lowe produced and engineered by me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Our researcher is Alyssa Grawl. Our talent bookers are Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. And music is by Devin Bryant. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Literally with Rob Lowe. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.